Welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. This is episode number 29. I am your host, Joe Zakreski, joined by Eddie Kayazzo. Hi, Ed. How are you? Happy, happy evening to you, Joe. Yes, we are lucky to be joined by Stephen Bassett and filmmaker Darcy Weir to talk about their up their current documentary film, Volcanic UFO Mysteries. I got Woo. that correct, right? Right, gentlemen? Volcanic UFO Mysteries. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Very, very cool. And so... From what I understand, the dynamic for the two of you is, Stephen, you are the expert of UFOs and have been doing this for quite some time. With the, with the uh, let's verify that. Uh, I am I am not a researcher. I'm an activist. Activist, okay. And it's, it's not about UFOs. It's about extraterrestrials. Mm. Uh, uh, and the new term is UAP. And I, I only – it means exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. As you have both unidentified aerial phenomena, but it doesn't have the 60 years of ridicule that was heaped on the UFO by the government and by the media. So it it's uh, like a fresh start. So I am an activist, and my area is the politics. Okay. Uh, and, wow. And I'm in this movie because uh, 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 Darcy is a content provider. He's doing documentaries on this subject matter, mm-hmm. which is informing the public. And so I'm very supportive of uh, all my colleagues, and I have many who are content providers. Awesome. That's, a, that's cool. Yeah, and, and Darcy, a little bit about, so again, Darcy Weir, the filmmaker, I guess editor, director of Volcanic UFO Mysteries. Um, yeah, so so I guess how did you come to meet Stephen and start working on this project? So I, I've known Stephen for over 10 years. I've been following the stuff he's been doing. Uh, I met him at a conference in 2010, and uh, he's been doing sort of activism to promote disclosure and ending a truth embargo that's you know set by the government not to release all the information regarding uh, ET visitation that, that's been happening to the planet since 1947 that we know of. Uh, if you follow things like Roswell, you know, he's, he's been part of this, uh, this movement for a long time. And I met him at a conference. I kind of kept it in the back of my head. I wanted to interview him one day. And, uh, then in 2018, we sat down, I interviewed him and, uh, four other people, uh, we made our first documentary called Being Taken, which is about the whole abduction phenomenon with Travis Walton and Kathleen Martin, uh, Betty and Barney Hill. If you know any of those folks, they're kind of big UFO abduction cases that have been talked about in, in history. Uh, and uh, then I said, you know, I'd love to do a piece where I talk about things that have happened in Latin America. Um, and I interviewed Jaime Mausson, who's a news journalist that's been covering uh, UFOs and everything in the news in Mexico for over 40 years. He started as a 60 Minutes journalist, believe it or not, 60 Minutos. And uh, he ended up divulging a whole bunch of information to me. Uh, he gave me a whole bunch of UFO content surrounding active volcano sites across Latin America. And I started collecting that information, putting together the documentary. And uh, Stephen was gracious enough to tell me his story about his journey through activism and getting disclosure from the American government uh, in a big way. So I put that together in this story. Yeah. And I should clarify, uh, it's not like I'm attached to this doc. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so much I'm attached to Darcy's work. Uh, and, and, I'm, and he's included me in the doc, and that's fine. But he's, he's done eight documentaries, I think, in the last two years. Oh, my gosh. In fact, uh, your listeners can can quickly get on top of that by going to his IMDb page. Uh, Darcy yes. Weir, right? Yeah. Uh, D-I-R. And uh, they can see these other docs. Some of them are in genres outside of my area, uh, but many of them are. So he's touching on some of the key elements of the uh, extraterrestrial uh, phenomena issue. And so uh, – and I think I'm in a couple of them. So that that's kind of the relationship. 
Uh, and again, he's a content creator. And for the last 70 years, the government said there's there's no ETs here, really. And mm-hmm. In fact, I, I got the president to actually say that in writing uh, in 2011, that there's no evidence whatsoever. And so the people, regular people, citizens on their own dime, on their own time, <laughs> making a lot of sacrifices have generated, what, thousands of books, yeah. reports, yeah. research, magazines, broadcasts, podcasts, websites, documentaries uh, over the last 70 years. And that's what's brought this subject and kept it alive uh, around the world. And, and and they are the ones that ultimately are key in, in ending this truth embargo, which I think is going to happen pretty soon. And then full it dis- took me longer than eight years. Sorry, to, sorry, longer than two years. It was about eight years that I've been doing uh, documentaries since 2012. Just so you know, I'm not. I'm not a <laughs> oh, savant. Okay. Well, how many have you done in the last two years? Um, in the past two years, I've probably done four. Yeah. Okay, four, four, four. It still, is. Still, you know, just four, just four. That's knocking I, those babies out. Yeah. I I knew someone, well, a few people making documentaries that it took them years because I hear the editing process in a documentary in a documentary is that much more difficult and time consuming uh, as far as the scope of films. It is. Yeah, it we, is. we're a small studio, um, and we work work pretty fast so but we, we're trying to get some really good content and uh, uncorked entertainment is helping me out this time around so um yeah think things are looking better for the future and and full disclosure so we ask our listeners from time to time what they want to hear about things that you know they would like us to cover um one thing we had not touched on this this podcast is you know a branch of redriverhard.com which was, you know, digital print based, but this was kind of an extension of that that was born out of, you know, the the lockdown. Joe's just Basically, like, you know, yeah. Joe came from a <laughs> successful podcast before that. So this was a topic that people were interested in. And I mean, I am going in green because when I was a kid, my dad was really into the UFO stuff. Like we would watch sightings, of course, the X-Files. Um, and you have a, an Independence Day poster there, Stephen. I loved that movie. But I cannot say that I am fully up to snuff with what has been happening. Um, so then a film like Volcanic UFO Mysteries comes across, and you know, you're both available for an interview, and I thank you. So I just ask, I guess to start, what do we know? What what was it that the government did release more recently that is I want to say findable by the average person. If they were to just go into Google and say, Oh, I know the go- I know the U S government released something, uh, officially. <laughs> so, so what, what is that something to start? They have released many things, uh, of late. In fact, there's been some extraordinary developments the last three years, but, uh, since your, your listenership is, uh, Primarily in a different genre, I mean, you're, we're, but they're interested in this subject. Let me just sum it up real quickly. Uh, there is an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race right now. That phenomena is ET. Uh, there may be some things that are mistaken mm-hmm. for ET phenomena. So that's a fact. That's not even conjecture. The government's known about it since no later than 47, July 47 with the Roswell events. Wow. Though there's some indications there were some crashes prior to 47, even prior to the war. That may have been very contained very quickly and kept tight. We don't know for sure. But 47, it, it's out, the cat's out of the bag. Uh, the government has chosen to embargo the truth of this from the American people and the world's people. That is also a fact, absolutely established beyond a reasonable doubt. There is contact going on between ETs and human beings. That's a fact. We have easily a million reports that have been submitted in writing and emails to the researchers over the last 30 years. A million uh, so uh, I, I kind of feel that's not a, how would you say a mistake or a, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and these reports are consistent, uh, substantially consistent over broad base. So, so there's your basic facts. Now, as you move away from those, everything can have a certain probability running from 98% down to 20 or 10%. I don't deal with much below 70, be honest with you. Uh, I just don't have time for it. So you have that now. The uh, what is most no, uh, best for your listeners to know right now 
is that the there have been some developments in the last three years which have led me to believe the truth embargo will end soon. Mm-hmm. It will begin with congressional hearings, the real ones, the, the extensive ones, not just the single hearing that was held one day in 1968, the last time they did this. All wow, right. that was we've the last tried time. For, yeah, okay. we've tried to get hearings many, many times, all, all blocked, uh, a number of people, including me. No way. What's going to happen? Now it looks like it's going to happen. If those hearings take place with the witnesses we expect that will be uh, testifying under oath, uh, I think disclosure and announcement, confirmation by the president will follow fairly quickly. So that's 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 something to know. The biggest event in human history may be coming this spring, just letting you know, okay? Whoa. Playing at every theater in the world at the same time. So, so there's that. In terms of finding stuff, <laughs> let me give you an example. Yes. The day before the inauguration of the la- of the the last president, mm-hmm. this would have been January tw- 19, 2017, the CIA announced, and this is a part of sort of the unfolding developments I'm referring to, that 970,000 documents relating to a lot of stuff, uh, out of the ordinary stuff, including the ET issue, uh, were m- being made available to the internet. They had been available only through the archives, hmm. meaning you'd have to drive to the archive, park your car, have your pass, go on in, sit down, order up something, and look at it, right? Now it was on the internet for all to see. That was then. Uh, this year, John Greenwald was able to acquire, because they made it available, a DVD of I don't know, a million? I forget how many more documents from the CIA getting in all kinds of things, including MK Ultra, ET issue. And uh, what he did, and this is what made the news, all kinds of news was made. And there's a lot of confusion about it. Uh, John Greenwald runs the Black Vault, where for the last 25 years, he's com- been compiling thousands and thousands of documents, archiving them from FOI requests. He's the master of the FOI. So he took all of these million documents and he did, he, he put them, it were digitized, but he put them into searchable form on the Black Vault and then announced it. So for those of you that have some doubts about the fact that there's some stuff going on, uh, there's about a million to two million documents you can go read, wow. all right, from the CIA itself, okay? Uh, and then uh, I'll finish with this. Uh, probably the most significant development since 1916 was – 2016 – is that uh, the, the, the Pentagon allowed three gun camera footage films mm-hmm. – of F-18 intercepts of UAPs uh, out the door. They were given to Christopher Mellon, former Deputy Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Intelligence. And he he gave them the New York Times. The New York Times then put them up on its website where they have now been seen and all over the world by, I don't know how many, maybe a billion people have seen. Now, these were the first gun camera footages ever released by any government formally regarding UAP intercepts. All of the world's developed governments, nations, have – there's thousands of these clips of defense planes intercepting these, these uh, UAPs, UFOs, UAPs, and filming them because that's what you have to do when you're a defense plane. You film all engagements with bogeys over territory. Right. You don't go up there to shoot at it. You film it. And all of this film has been canned. It's all been vaulted by every nation because if those films had gotten out, say, 20 or 30 of them, the truth embargo would have collapsed. But So it never happened until uh, December of 2017 when the New York Times released to its website the th- two of the three, maybe three, of these gun camera f- films. That was probably – I call it the Rubicon. When those films went online, the, the truth embar- – the, the, the disclosure movement of which I'm a part crossed the Rubicon. There was never going to be any going back. And ever since then, we've been advancing slower than we thought because the political situation got fairly intense, uh, but advancing inexorably towards disclosure and the end of this truth embargo. And I think it'll happen this spring. Wow. I mean, that would be that would be something. And, and oh, yeah. Do you think that that the whole reason behind the truth embargo is basically, you know, thinking that the public's not ready, like the public can't handle the information that's there? Do you think it's just basically <laughs> we're just not going to? 
It was all that's all that's all propaganda. It was all sure. bogus from the day day one. Okay, it was all here's the reasons, guys, why you, you don't want to go to the New York Times, mm-hmm. lieutenant, commander, captain, <laughs> yeah. scientist, right? Uh, world's gonna collapse, everybody's gonna go crazy. Nonsense. Right. Roswell happened in forty seven. They put out a press release. Yeah. The the media jumped all over it. Nobody went insane. Yeah. Now they turned it around in less than twenty four hours because because they realized, wait a minute, we don't want this out. <laughs> but the American people in nineteen forty seven had just defeated the Axis powers. Yeah. They'd been through a world war. All of the adults, uh, you know, you know, middle aged types at that time had been through the depression. And so this idea that these people are gonna fall apart because it turns out that those uh craft that were seen by uh Kenneth Arnold over Mount Rainier and the announcement from the Army Air Force in Roswell was true. Are they going to run out in the middle of the street, strip their clothes off, and bay at the moon? Was absolute crap. <laughs> Always was. <laughs> but it serviced the truth embargo. Yeah. But it also insulted the American people. It undermined confidence in government. It embarrassed the nation. And, it, and, and, and like, unlike some lies, which we've gotten from the government, like a particular lie about Iraq or a particular lie about you know Vietnam, in order to maintain the truth embargo, the government has had to lie to the American people every day of every year. That never happened since 1947, <laughs> and that's a big lie. That is the kind of lie, like water dripping on a rock, that will just cut right through that rock. Mm-hmm. So, Darcy, now, you know, with that being said. Uh, from Stephen Bassett. Now, you actually sought out him. What made you... Did you have footage, or were you interested in footage from Latin America specifically uh, with the volcanoes? Like, like what... Knowing, you know, that Stephen's an, an activist with and was this unidentified aerophenomena, what, what, I guess, made you pursue making a film based, I guess, in Latin America specifically? Sure. Um, so I, I had already started working with Jaime Maussan. I did a biography on him uh, a few year, a couple years ago uh, called Maussan's UFO Files, and it showed his career getting into journalism, covering, you know, normal stuff like environmentalism and, you know, uh, issues close to home in Mexico. And then he started covering early in his life, uh, folks like Billy Meyer and, uh, you know, Roswell and, and all that type of stuff for the Latin American, uh, audiences. Uh And when I was researching everything that he had been doing, I noticed that he had put together quite a bit of information to the public in Mexico about, volcanoes that were erupting where these ufos were clearly you know sometimes just hovering right through ash clouds and then going around the crater and it looked like they were going inside of them which you know if we equate that if we relate that really quickly to the say the gimbal video or the tic tac ufo video that we caught from gun cameras on state-of-the-art aircraft um these some of these videos that were shot on government cameras that are constantly monitoring these volcanoes because they're super dangerous and could be a great loss of life if they went kind of catastrophic. Um, these cameras are recording recording these UFOs uh, doing things that civilian aircraft can't do. They're not allowed in this airspace. No military aircraft could withstand the heat, Mm. the pyroclastic flows of lava or uh, rock that are flying out of these things. And not too long ago in Europe, we had a Icelandic uh, volcanic eruption that grounded all flights just because of ash in the air. Wow. So what are... What are these things that are flying right into the craters and around the volcanoes while they're erupting? Um, again, it must be something that is not our, not part of our arsenal, and our, to our knowledge. Yeah. And um, and why are they here? Yeah. So we kind of made that question. 
And I wanted to tell this story uh, about some UFOs that were doing really strange things in Latin America because Latin America is an underrepresented uh, location for the UFO phenomenon. Most people, if they ask you, uh, oh, yeah, like you believe in UFOs, isn't that all just happening in the United States? Isn't that, (laughs) you know, like a myth, a mythos that's been created by Americans? Right. And it's like, no, not at all. This has been happening in China, Russia, the United States, Canada, Mexico. Uh, you know, there's a famous case that happened in Australia called Westall 66. It, 200 people saw two craft, one of them land during daylight. Uh, you know, it was a two uh, high school and, and uh, elementary school adults and children. Uh, and many of them are alive today. And, uh, you know, it, I featured that in one of my other older documentaries. I, I lived in Australia for two years and had the chance to interview Shane Ryan, who collected a ton of evidence around that mass daylight sighting. So um, these this phenomenon is worldwide and we live in an open system. We don't live in a uh, closed system. Our, our atmosphere is permeable and things can come and go if they have the right technology. We seem to be coming and going and uh, heading into space. Um, And uh, I think we're getting close to disclosure because we're on this sort of, we're just about to cross that tipping point of going into space and trying to colonize places like Mars. And I'm pretty sure the government wants to have the cat out of the bag so that they can say, okay, this is what we can expect as we start to go out there, Hmm. you know, for the public to know. Yeah. And now Steven, does that, uh, with what Darcy just said, does that have something to do with what you think will be announced this spring? By the U.S. government? What, when you say that, what is the that you're referring to? So you said that there was going to be something happening this spring as far as disclosure goes. For hearings. I think, yeah, yes. I, think, I think congressional hearings. I think congressional hearings are being set up behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know something about this. Uh, so, uh, but uh, get back to the doc a little bit. <laughs> this is a classic example of what I mean by content creators and so forth. Uh, the volcano uh, imagery started turning up a good while ago. And you know how Facebook is. I mean, you know how the internet is. You might have a Facebook thing will turn up. There'll be somebody will send you one and, or maybe a little short video clip that turns up from a news thing. And you're, so you're seeing this, right? And it was non-trivial because uh, the cameras that are being set up by the authorities to monitor these volcanoes are high-quality cameras. It, this is not some amateur project. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Mexico's, Mexico City sits on a lake bed. Almost all the aquifer underneath it has been drained. They're running out of, of, of uh, water. What does that mean? That means if Mexico City ever gets hit by a really sizable earthquake, that, that, is, that soil is going to liquefy and that city is going to collapse. This is not science fiction. I'm telling you something you can easily research on your own. It's not talked a lot about because there's 30 million Mexicans down there. And the idea that several million of them could die in that case is not something you want to mention if you're a politician. Hmm. Now, Popocatepetl uh, is 43 miles away. If it were to erupt a major eruption, that mm-hmm. would be a problem when people will be killed. Mm-hmm. If it were to trigger a serious uh, earthquake, however, millions could be killed. And so that is one of many volcanoes. There's a number of active volcanoes that are being watched by these cameras 24 hours a day. And so these sightings turn up. What the hell is going on here, right? Yeah. What is that thing going into the volcano and coming out? Uh and, well, what can I say? Nobody really could get to the bottom of it. Uh, what are you going to do if you're a researcher in this field? How much money you got? You're going to go down to Mexico, camp out at the volcano, do some, make a report to MUFON? It's one of so many things that just, oh, well, something going on there, and you yeah. move on. But then along comes Dorsey. And so what he does, he, he says, I'm going to make a very strong uh, 
uh, documentary and really pull this together and show how important it is. Bingo. Yeah. Okay. Bingo. Now that's been happening in you pick any area of the ET issue, and at some point, somebody makes the documentary that pulls it together. And because uh, the government ain't making those documentaries, Nova's not making them. Though we're starting to see some of the more mainstream players get involved since they've begun to realize the train's leaving the friggin' station. <laughs> so this is an example of that. And he and, and so uh, it and, and so in that sense, it's very representative. Now, will will the images uh, coming from uh, Pocahontas be part of the initial congressional hearings? No, there is a ton. It's not going to even be touched. Yeah. The initial congressional hearings are almost certainly going to be exclusively military witnesses. Hmm. Okay. Like the pilots and the Nimitz case and the Roosevelt case and some of the witnesses to to the um, uh, now, that's, that's retired, actively retired, mostly retired, and the Rendlesham Forest case and so forth, and the nuclear weapons tampering events uh, in uh, at Malmstrom and elsewhere. Military witnesses under oath, high credibility. This is the way it has to be because the congressional committee chairs and the, and the part, the political parties, they know that things are changing. They know this thing is, is happening. It's still for them very scary politically. And as you know, right now we have the biggest crop of scared politicians you've ever seen in your life. Okay. You just pop a bag and they all head for cover. I mean, they're, they're scared to death, not just physically, but also for their elections, for their jobs and everything else. And so they're not, they're not robust, so they need they need it to be right. And right is national security. Mm. Let's look at this phenomenon from a national security standpoint. Let's hear the military witnesses, what they've seen, what they know, and let's assess it from that point of view. And if it turns out that the testimony is so overwhelming, then, hey, president can confirm it to the American people. We have the disclosure event, which is what that would be. Okay. We enter the post-disclosure world, and then – and I do hope you gentlemen have large televisions. You're not looking at some tiny little screen. I hope to God you need a big TV and cable. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Then post-disclosure, <laughs> the hearings get really interesting because a lot more immediately is on the table and it will span out. And those hearings will go on for months and they will be watched by hundreds of millions of people. That's what's coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited if something like that. Yeah. Is to come. I, I I hope it does because that's it's you know, extra. Yeah, I'm a stargazer. I guess I like looking up at the sky and just wondering what. So I mean that's what's always kept me fascinated. And then thinking about even thinking about this documentary, what keeps coming to mind is if there is a, a uh, or we say a UAP, if they're going to be studying like Earth's atmosphere, a volcano erupts and then something comes down and checks it out. That's not much different from how. We humans study other planets. I mean, that's almost exactly how Venus is studied, correct? Because that's all basically yes. atmospheric drops and back and forth. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it's more than that. It's more than study. There's reasons why they're doing this. Uh, and when you look at the nuclear tampering events, mm. when you come down and hover over a, a – a, uh, a, a group of of uh, of uh, uh, nuclear uh, uh, missiles and turn them all off and then fly away. You're doing more than study. Mm. You're, you're. We don't know exactly what are they sending a message. Is it a warning? We don't know. So if they're if they're looking at those volcanoes, it, they're not they're not just because oh gee they came forty five light years in order to do a little volcanology. There probably there's a concern there, right? That it might be a problem. Maybe they are even uh, addressing it. Maybe they're trying to mitigate. We don't know. It's also possible because there is a lot of circumstantial evidence that the many of the bases that these ETs have, and they have them, are under mountains, uh, okay. and many of them are under the ocean, which is a good place to have a base if you don't want to be bothered. Yeah. Well, it's possible they're under a volcano. If they if they have put a base down there under that volcano near the magma chamber, I think you can safely say there's no chance that we're going to actually stumble across them or break in and serve a search warrant. Yeah, it's it's a safe spot. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Darcy. 
I'm thinking Darcy will want to add to that. I'm thinking. <laughs> no. So then I guess Darcy being the filmmaker, of course, if you're watching volcanic UFO mysteries, you know, I would hope that you would have that sensibility to believe, you know, be interested in the topic and want to gain information from that. But if somebody watches some of that footage that at least I've seen in the trailer, what's what's to say that something isn't projecting out of a volcano that is just a natural occurrence from a volcano erupting as opposed to a UFO coming down when that happens? Sure. So some of the video is definitely not uh, – shown in the trailer, some of the juicier UFO sightings, for example, um, Colima's 1988 fiery, uh, event, um, a whole news reporter team showed up. Colima is a, a volcano to the West of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, it was erupting during the day. So a news crew showed up and thousands of people in that area that live in that area anyways were watching the volcano erupt from a distance. Um, and the news crew started recording the volcano, and you can clearly see this UFO uh, performing this maneuver going slowly through an ash cloud near the crater and then alongside the, the volcano and then off into the sky. This wasn't quick either. This is slow, mm-hmm. hovering, cruising, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is not something shooting out of the crater. It's not part of a cloud. It's a solid object that is going through a cloud and then flying off into the sky to the left of the volcano, starting from the right. Um, that is not a natural phenomenon. That is something flying. Uh, a craft and it seems to have the same sort of shape and aura as what was described by the pilots that recorded the Tic Tac UFO. It seems to have this sort of white glowing uh, field around it, which possibly helps protect it from elements. Um, But, you know, that's just one example in the film we tried to break down all the very credible and interesting UFO events that you see in the film where the UFO is approaching the crater, approaching from outside of the shot, and then either going in or coming back out. Um, so if it was something like a lava rock or you know a, a big piece of rock flying from an explosion that would you know even if you reversed the video if you did some trick of uh editing it would still look like something flying out you know uh but these things that we're breaking down in the documentary don't look like that they look like a craft and it's really strange i don't know like, I can't say if there's a base underneath. People have hypothesized that there's underground bases under many different dormant volcano and mesas throughout the United States. Um, people talk about the Dulce, New Mexico base possibility. And uh, obviously, Area 51 is out there. It's... Uh, People say that S4 is built into a mountainous ridge in the desert. So are these good places to hide technology, hide, uh, you know, uh, research that's being done to keep it out of sight, out of sound from the public, uh, general public? Sure. I can't uh, prove that these UFOs are going into a base or something. Uh, I think Jaime Mausan he had a uh, research group that came from Norway, from Bergen University, and they were recording the electromagnetic energy that's being generated by the uh, volcano when it was erupting. 
And they actually apparently saw a UFO approach the volcano. And right after the, uh, vol the volcano had this UFO event, the electromagnetic spectrum dissipated completely and the volcano was no longer active. So, you know, is there manipulation going on there? Possibly. Um, there's speculation for sure. Mm -hmm. But what I believe is that they're not uh, natural phenomenon. So I rule that out. They are UFOs by definition, unidentified flying objects huh. or UAPs, let's say. Um, and from what we know in the public, they're not civilian aircraft and they're not military aircraft. Maybe that'll change after disclosure. Maybe the American government will come forward and actually say, hey, we have some of our own technology that's being misidentified as well. Everybody, just so you know, maybe that'll be part of disclosure. Hmm. This is, that's really neat. And and the the one thing that I like, um, especially saying you know using South America as like being an underrepresented underrepresented area for this field of study, it really made made me think of something. So our our website it's redriverhard.com. The tagline is uh, channel you know channels of fear. So you know different outlets for different fascinations, whether it's film, TV, whatever. And it's just, it just makes me think of. Um, you know, the movie Alien versus Predator. Yes. Well, so obviously two famous characters that are aliens that come to Earth. Well, it's actually a South American tribe and a South American temple that they find in Antarctica. Right. <laughs> but that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, yeah, it is underrepresented. And the only thing I could think about with it is, uh, was, was that until, until this. I like that one. I like that one better than the first one. Me too. It was fun. It's fun movie. Oh, wait, wait, which one? I just thought it was. What's the first one? You liked which one? The original, Predator. just the original. The original Predator. Predator. Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Standard military, big guys, right? Uh, you know, big strong dude shooting off big guns, uh, <laughs> and uh, in the jungle, standard stuff. But this one uh, really was uh, the concept, uh, the the temple underneath the ice. Uh, it was just, and the woman character was really cool. She yeah. was so cool. I like that movie. It, 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 a lot of reviewers didn't like it. I did. Yeah, I mean, I John McTiernan's finest work, in my opinion, is is Predator. But that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I enjoy them all, but it's like it's you know, I like having a little fun with it. So, but either so, Darcy, what what you know, I would talk to you a little bit before we really got into the heart of the interview about your other documentary with uh, Sasquatch. What, what got you into wanting to make documentary films, whether, you know, whether it be, you know, extraterrestrial Sasquatch, I mean, anything in like the, that realm, like what, what got you into that? Sure. Um, well, I guess I've always been interested in this type of stuff. Um, in, my younger days, I watched, you know, X-Files and Unsolved Mysteries and all that type of stuff. Um, love horror movies as well, for sure. Um, but I guess what really switched my mind on to the possibility that UFOs are piloted by ETs and they're visiting our planet and this is being kept from the public and, uh, and then, you know, Bigfoot and people are citing these, you know, hundreds of sightings throughout the years, thousands around the world. Um, the UFO subject was near and dear to me because in university, I actually studied a course called Life in the Universe, which was an elective when I was getting my major. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a astrobiology, super complex um, class. It was just an elective that introduced you to the idea that life exists out there. And we uh, investigated simple things like the Drake equation, which, you know, mathematically proves that 
if there are a certain amount of stars in our universe, in our galaxies um, that are in the Goldilocks zone around the sun that have rocky planets with water in the right area around the sun uh, and that developed intelligent life and that intelligent life developed technology uh, enough to communicate and travel into the stars, then there's a possibility we're not alone. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a common scientific fact. So I started just going down the rabbit hole from there. And uh, I think you heard Stephen say earlier in the interview that, you know, content creators to some degree are kind of activists uh, in their own right to try and prove that something's going on uh, that can't be explained by our normal scientific conventions and is kind of breaking our reality as being alone in the universe. Um, and I watched, you know, films that were in this same genre documentaries like Jose Escamilla's um, UFOs, the greatest uh, story uh, never told. I think I watched that in university. I was like 19, 20. I'm now 36. And I've produced a bunch of documentaries because I found stories that I found interesting that were different from what's already been told out there. And um, yeah, I just wanted to do a, do some justice to it. Uh, so to some degree, I was influenced by other documentarians that have followed these the same sort of question: Are we alone? Love it. <laughs> I love it. That's that's awesome, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I I really appreciate good documentaries. I'm really looking forward, like after you know, watching the trailer for this and seeing your other line of work, really getting it and viewing your entire. Um, filmography so i'm looking forward to watching the entire catalog yeah Um, there's a bunch of really uh free ones the low-hanging fruit you can check out or uh if if you guys have access to tubetv.com yeah uh, there's being taken on there which is all about the abduction phenomenon and we kind of follow a chronological um historical reference to UFOs and then people saying that they've been abducted and we analyze the most credible cases out of the phenomenon of abduction. Um, And then there's also the Mausan documentaries, the Jaime Mausan that I talked about earlier. Um, You can just search beyond the spectrum and you'll probably get three there. But all my films are on Amazon Prime as well, if you have a membership. Uh, The Underground is free. That's about underground bases and uh, supposed history of military involvement with building these things clandestinely uh, throughout the United States. Um, And then there is... um, the Sasquatch one, the first one is mm-hmm. free, also on Prime. It's called The Un- Unwanted Sasquatch. And um, and then these guys, like uh, Volcanic UFO Mysteries um, and uh, a few others, uh, like Being Taken is on there too. If you don't want to get hit up with commercials like on Tubi TV, that type of thing. So, yeah. Um, I enjoy your feedback. Uh, I'm I'm a, still a young filmmaker compared to the Spielbergs and the Scorseses out there. But for what I do, I, I'm trying to have fun. I'm trying to introduce interesting ideas that are out there in this, um, you know, phenomenon and uh, and 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 definitely learning and, and trying to get better as I go. For sure. I'd like to jump in here with something that I think you may find interesting. Sure. Um, documentaries and activism. Uh, documentaries are increasingly becoming a major component of activism. Absolutely. Without question. 
there was a time when they were mostly uh, like Nova or one of these nature thingies or whatever. You go back 20, 30 years. But of course, uh, they and, 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 and a news program would we, do a short piece on something. But then they started doing longer pieces, you know, investigative journalism. But then, of course, documentaries start to uh, flourish, not only because it was it was a, a, a good approach, but as you know, hell, there's a, the, the equipment and the tech and the editing knowledge needed uh, is easily accessible to a 20 year old or a 15 year old. You've got 15, 15 year olds that are doing documentaries would have been considered professional quality 30 years ago. Yeah. Everybody's creating documentaries in pocket. Okay, so naturally they're becoming a key to to uh, to uh, activism because that's how you bring together information. It can also be propaganda. A lot of these docs are propaganda. They're pure propaganda. That's what they are. Uh, so I guess you could say there needs to be a word for that. Uh, what, what, what distinguish between a a documentary that is dedicated to the truth and a documentary that's dedicated to mistruth? We haven't got that word yet. We'll see. Yeah. But recently there has been an extraordinary development. Yeah. I mean, and that is that. Um, on the 19th of this month, Alexander Navalny made the extraordinary decision for he and his wife to return to Moscow after being away from Russia for four months, getting treatment in the German hospitals for the Novichok poisoning. He could have stayed in exile forever, but he chose to go back, even though he probably knew he'd be put in jail for a while, if not worse. And the day that he leaves and he's on the plane, they release the newest documentary that they had created. And they've done some others, essentially trying to uh, expose Vladimir Putin's bad behavior. And this documentary was their summum bonum. It's called Putin's Palace, and it was put up on January 19th. In eight days... It has gotten 97 million views, yeah, 4.2 million likes, and 6. Point, I'm sorry, uh, 6.2 million subscribers now. He's doubled his subscriber list, and 1.58 million comments in nine days, and that has precipitated people coming out all over Russia to protest. Mm -hmm. There's another one for this Saturday. It could get pretty intense. The first one was big. This might be even bigger. Yeah. I mean, this is a one and a half, one hour and 52 minute documentary, relatively well made, dubbed in English. Uh, it had some good quality CGI stuff, a lot of good CGI. So there's decent money behind it. And I'm sure he can get all the volunteer CGI guys he wants. This, this documentary, this one, coupled with the others, but this one in particular coupled with his uh, detention in Russia may bring down Putin. Now that is the ultimate intersection between activism and documentaries. And that is also happening in the ET world, not to this degree, but it is always happening. And uh, uh, Darcy Weir is a part of this. Recently, a extraordinary documentary by James Fox, four years of work, blood, sweat and tears called The Phenomena which has had significant impact in getting a lot of coverage. And the information in it absolutely services the activist disclosure movement. So that's what's happening, guys. It's exciting. I'm, I'm happy to be, I'm happy to see people like Darcy, younger people getting involved in this. There's gonna be a lot more because they're young, they got energy, they know, they know more tech than <laughs> most everybody else. And they're gonna, they're gonna spend most of their life in the post-disclosure world. Uh, and, and, and that world is going to be extraordinary and, and the government is withholding that from them. And so they're going to help make sure that the truth comes out. And that's, uh, why I'm on this show, uh, tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a better example than I usually do when I think of documentaries and activism. I usually immediately go to Mor Morgan Spurlock and supersize me. Which completely changed the fast food industry based on same thing, no, same you know? thing, same thing, exactly, exactly activism the same right thing. there. I mean, Michael Moore's made a living off it. Whether you, you know, some people, uh, people like him, some people don't. But either way, that's the way he portrays his films, and you know, yeah. usually they don't like it because they don't like the truth in it. 
It's not the production values. It's just the truth makes people uncomfortable, and it and it and it causes problems for people, uh, and that's why they don't like it. Well, they have, uh, well tough. They tough have money. folks. They have money. Well, no, they have money behind it because the people make the people well, that finance those films have an interest in getting the person that's in power out. Well, too. either way, I mean, if I was thinking about like activism through document documenting yeah. things, I mean, I go all. Even in books, like I think of The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, I mean, that exposed, you know, labor abuse in sausage mm, or, factories. Or in the Chicago. Cove. Or the Cove, yeah. Like that that's is, activism. That's protecting sea life, right? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Every, every issue in the world today has had documentaries, relatively high-quality documentaries done about it, available. They're piling up by the thousands. They've got channels devoted to nothing but. There, 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 are, there are websites you can go, and they're even free, where there's hundreds of documentaries there that you could just watch at your leisure. Uh, and that's, that's unfortunate because, again, the people who make these documentaries don't make the kind of bucks that Steven Spielberg makes. Sure. <laughs> but they everything. And, and, but some issues don't get so much. Yeah. Right, and one of the things you can tell about what's verboten and what's not is what area somehow the documentaries just don't get made. And one that I area that I talk about, there's only been two documentaries uh, really made about it, and that is the 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 prospect, a very realistic prospect, that a major city, and Washington D.C. is number one on the list will be hit with a, a non-state actor nuclear bomb. <laughs> and that know. area has had two docks made, as far as I know. And, and Countdown so that, to zero. Yeah, countdown to zero and the day after disaster. Um, the, the, it, because this is, this, is, this is a truth that people don't want to hear. I don't need to hear about that. I don't need to see evidence about that. I just don't want to know. It's too awful to contemplate. You know, supersize me, I can live with. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that is an example. So when you see that, that tells you, wow, we need to pay more attention there and maybe need some more docs. We'll see. But well, uh, there are docs about it. And I'm not aware of any issue in the world today that doesn't have significant document. And they just get better because the soft editing software gets better. Uh, it's available to everybody. I'm studying right now DaVinci Resolve 16. It's brutal. It's like quantum mechanics, but nevertheless, I'm I'm getting it, <laughs> and eventually I'll be able to use it. Yeah. Uh, like people use Premiere uh, and Final Cut. Uh, there's teenagers using that stuff, making docs with their iPhones. So this the idea of a world where we have lots of secrets and the governments just hide everything and everybody gets away with everything. That world is disappearing. And so people need to get on their best behavior and start talking truth because the examples of people being taken down because of bad behavior and lies is everyday occurrence now because of the nature of modern society. Well, and that's something I think you do have to worry about in, um, you know, the UFO phenomenon that like that field. I mean, you have you have one sect of people right now that are using social media that are just literally having their profiles completely deleted. You know, they're being deplatformed as they say, uh, what's, you know, the reason I think that that's dangerous is, you know, silencing one whole voice, you know, I'm speaking specifically in the political realm is that they can then turn to you next and just be like, Oh, okay, well, we're going to, deplatform you now we're going to take your films off of this platform we're going to pretty much eliminate anywhere for you to get that information out so say the hearings don't start in the spring and they want to silence people like you they can just turn and on the you know drop of a dime and do the same thing to these documentaries to the people putting out information like that is that something you fear Uh that's not likely to happen, but you're right. This is one of the most difficult, complex issues um, in social, uh, socio-political history. Uh, hey, we didn't ask for it, but Here it is. they gave us the internet, and then they gave us Facebook and Twitter, and said, "Go with it, guys." Uh, so yeah, and it's and it's really tough, uh, and it's it's not going to be easy to resolve. 
Uh, I try to break it down to simple concepts. Uh, and one way to think about it is this. Everybody knows that if you stand up in a theater, a fully crowded theater, and scream fire at the top of your lungs mm -hmm. when there's no fire because you're kind of a prankster, you're going to jail. Hmm. And yeah. nobody's going to be sympathetic with you. Yeah. Certainly not the families of the dead people stampled in the doorways, right? Correct. Well, guess what? We have created a world where you can go online and cry fire in 10,000 theaters simultaneously mm -hmm. behind an anonymous handle with, with uh, server protection and nobody knows who you are. Well, guess what? That's a much more difficult issue. It's not as simple, is it? It's and yet, nobody wants that. Nobody wants anybody to be able to do that, do they? And so what do you do? Well, we're grappling with it. And um, uh, I don't know how it's going to work out. I invite people to be patient and to be tolerant and to not get dragged into too much existential uh, 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 one against the other, you know, binary thinking, black, white, good, evil, down, mm -hmm. up. But realize the complexity of the world we're in and what's going on and try to be understanding. Uh, I don't think many people do that. I think they're just going to yell their head off. But uh, that's kind of what we're dealing with now. We have something that the human race never even conceived of mm -hmm. by 1950 or 60 or 70, I think, even. And then what's his face? Burner, whatever his name was, comes up with the Internet and, and off we go. And here we are. Uh, I don't know where it's going to work out. I, I, I would love to be able to go to the future about 100 years and read some fine books on what the hell happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, guys, the, yeah. this this has been a lot of fun just um, you know, for the Red River Horror uh, listeners, readers out there. We're very fortunate to have filmmaker Darcy Weir, Stephen Bassett, on with us gentlemen just uh i guess if we could close it out darcy is there anything you want people to know about volcanic ufo mysteries that we have not covered in this interview oh uh, you know i i think we've covered everything we could but um i hope people check it out leave a comments on the amazon page or uh imdb always looking for feedback as a yep. filmmaker and uh Thanks for having me on. Hopefully in the future, you guys can check out some of my other releases and uh, definitely head over to www.occultjourneys.com. And that's my whole filmography there. You can check out all my films, my posters, trailers, and uh, descriptions of the films before you dip your toe in that water <laughs> and then we will uh, of course link that on the um on the podcast page for the post and on redriverhard.com with the article that will accompany this oh yeah Stephen bassett anything you would like us to know that we have not touched on about you sure I, i'd like your your listeners to please consider following me a uh, following paradigm research group okay on twitter I recently lost 1,200 Twitter followers. Just went up in smoke. I have no idea what the hell happened. It's probably something I said. That's a whole other uh, podcast uh, we got to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I must have said something pretty awful. Uh, also, you can follow Paradigm Research Group on Facebook. Uh, and my website is paradigmresearchgroup.org. There you can – there's a little subscribe thing there. You can subscribe to my free updates where I send out information about what's going on. And also, you can find there, but also more easily through this link, DisclosureWire.org, which is the new podcast that I have finally launched because everybody I know has a podcast. You got to do it. And it's yep. beginning to irritate me. Okay. <laughs> what took you so, so long? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, first of all, I'm a massive procrastinator. That's a big problem. <laughs> so I just launched it. I just have the uh, uh, – the introductory podcast up. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't started getting it set up on other platforms, which I will. It'll be a while before I get the next one up. And then when I get rolling, maybe we'll do one a week. But Disclosure Wire podcast, it is the first broadcast ever out of Washington, D.C. on all things exopolitical. Mm -hmm. And it is the studio is in the National Press Building 
two blocks from the White House. So wow. I got good venue, yeah. baby. Woo. I got great venue. I just need to do some podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> right in the uh, right in the heart of it all there. Well, I just wanted to mention in again, the- Volcanic UFO Mysteries. You can watch their trailer if you are fortunate enough to have a 4K TV. You can also watch it in 4K. Nice. But it is available now on Amazon Prime, Prime Video. As Darcy had said, you know, check it out. Mm-hmm. Leave a review. Watch it there. And uh, we'll share the trailer as well in the notes. And some, yeah. Darcy Weir, filmmaker, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. It's been fun. Uh, hope you guys are staying safe, keeping healthy, and uh, looking forward to seeing more of the stuff you guys publish over the year. Thanks so yeah, much. Right back at you, man. Take yeah. care, guys. Stay safe. Stephen Bassett, great to talk to you as well. Thanks so much, and thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 29 of the Red River Horror Podcast. Okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time. And remember, people, keep traveling those channels of fear.